Good, good. Amazing. Oh, well, I am super excited for this Sunday. This Sunday, we have got Fab 3 happening. And for those of you who have no clue what that is, we did this last year for the first time. We invited three of you who don't normally stand on the platform, who maybe even have a fear of public speaking, to get up on the platform and to share a 10-minute message with us as a church to give people the opportunity uh, to hear from someone different. And so this morning, we've got three incredible people bringing a, a message to us. Do you know, actually, I think it's probably harder to preach for 10 minutes than it is for 30, 40 minutes, because I can waffle all day on a Sunday, and you guys can't do anything about it. But these guys, they got 10 minutes, and they are on the clock. Okay, so why don't we give a round of applause to our first preacher, Michael. I'm going to pray with you. Yeah, God, I thank you for Michael. I thank you for his passion, his enthusiasm, for his growth, um, and his, just his relationship with you. And we are super excited to hear the message you've put on his heart for us this morning. So bless him with boldness, with courage, and enthusiasm in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Okay. First up, here we go. <laughs> Okay, in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, we are called not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And this morning, I'm going to discuss how this verse has impacted my life and lessons which I've learned by applying this principle to my friendships. <clears throat> Over the last few years, God has put me in places where I've had to learn to be completely dependent on him alone with the help of my Christian brothers and sisters. At times, this has been a challenge, cutting off certain individuals and behaviours which were pulling me away from Christ, as opposed to drawing me nearer to him. In 2021, as some of you know, I had, a, had to have surgery following a car accident, which meant for the best part of two years, I was unable to work or do the activities which I was used to doing. At the time, this felt debilitating and frustrations arose. I called out to people around me, however many so-called friends were unwilling to assist. Those who were not just willing, but went above and beyond what was, you would expect in those circumstances were the people in this church, as well as other believers outside of these four walls. So we are called to lay down our lives for one another and to love one another as Christ loved us. And this unconditional love is the exact type of love that I felt from you guys during my struggles. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 17 goes on to say, Come out from them and be separate, and touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. My experience of this verse is that when you decide to make God and his people a priority in terms of how you spend your time, you will in turn receive more in the way of blessings and peace, peace amidst this the confusion of this world. <clears throat> I understand that we are called to live in this fallen world and to be, be beacons of hope and light to those who are attempting to find a solution to the chaos. However, in order to shine brightly amongst them like stars in the sky, we have to be refreshed constantly by the Holy Spirit, as well as seeking spiritual wisdom and support from fellow believers in Christ. This is true, this bit, you can Google it. 
In a, re in a recent study, it was proven that our own brainwaves resemble those of the five people we spend the most time with. So is it not true that as believers, we, having been given the mind of Christ, should make it our aim to spend as much time with other Christians as possible in order to keep it that way? For what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? I understand that everyone's schedule looks different, so I'm not by any means implying that this is a one-size-fits-all approach. However, when John challenged us as a church to throw ourselves into as much church stuff as we could possibly manage, I answered that with challenge accepted. Sunday mornings are non-negotiable. I played a significant role in promoting and assisting with the Monday coffee morning, and I also answered yes to life groups and prayer meetings, as well as helping with forget-me-nots where able to do so. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong, this is not me standing here boasting about all the amazing work that I've been doing for God and his people. It is, in fact, quite the opposite. By being, directionally, by di being directly intentional about how I focus my time and my energy into these projects, I saw the blessings in mine and my family's lives multiply a hundredfold. For example, I'm now driving a car that I would never have been able to afford if it weren't for him. Uh, and a brilliant new job opportunity came along, which I could never have summoned in my own strength or my own understanding. But above all, there is a genuine peace and harmony that surrounds us, which money could not buy. In essence, I believe and have seen the evidence which proves that it is absolutely fundamental as Christians to show wisdom in not just how we spend our time, but also who we spend that time with. The Bible instructs us to te test every spirit as not every person in our lives is there to bring good. We can also ask God to show us who is helpful in our walk with Jesus and who should be cut off, and he will do it. I hope that these principles I've discussed can be applied to your own lives and that together as a church, we can bear much fruit, showing ourselves to be his disciples and that we may all share in the same peace and have the Lord's incredible blessings bestowed on us. Thank you very much. Amazing. Amazing. That is so good. So good and so well spoken. It's, it's such a truth, such, just absolute truth there that it's so important who we spend our time with and how we spend our time. Incredible. So yeah, be challenged by that this morning. Maybe just take stock of how it is that you're spending your time throughout the week and who it is that you're investing into. You know, God sometimes calls us to, to prune ourselves and that can be hard, can't it, of, of long-standing relationships but when we recognize that actually they're more draining than they are empowering and equipping. It's, it's time to kind of cut those things off and, and see what God's got for you next because when we prune, we see growth. Incredible. Thank you very much, Michael. All right, why don't we invite V up next. Give her a massive round of applause as she comes to share. Father God, thank you for V. Thank you for just her passion and her enthusiasm for you and for um, serving other people in such a generous and selfless way. And I pray that this morning as she serves us, through bringing your word, that you will bless her as much as we will be blessed by the words you put on her heart. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you, John, for the privilege and that he trusts me to do this. And um, yes, uh, Phil has given me his extra three minutes. You should know that a woman speaks 10 words <laughs> to a man's one word. So how can you give me 10 minutes is the same? Without further ado, my message today is me, really. It's me in Jesus. It's victory in Jesus. And for those who do know me or do not know me, my name is V, V for victory. Why? Because of Jesus. That's the very essence. I can only speak of what I know and who I am in Christ, who set me free when I was saved and when I fully surrendered my life to him at the age of 26. It's still been a long journey from that time on. I haven't finished yet. My journey's been long, and I'm still growing, and I'm still learning. But I know this for sure, that I am forgiven. I am accepted. I am redeemed. I am adopted, and I am a daughter of the Most High God. Does this sound like I'm boasting to myself? By no means. My boast is in Jesus Christ alone, who tells me this through his living word. Jesus is the victor. He's won the battle. And he has given us every spiritual best blessing, every spiritual blessing. He's held nothing back to be victorious and overcomers. Yes, this life may be hard, and you get these obstacles, trials, and testings, but my encouragement to you is to refocus your eyes and your heart. Stop looking at the storms around you, but start looking to Jesus, who's the, per the author and perfecter of your faith and what we have in him. The blessings come from the Father. The source is us, the believer. Here are some great promises and blessings to show you how we can apply this in our lives to live this victorious life. In Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, and I'm just going to read verse 3. Blessed be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with Christ, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms or places. That's the unseen world. So it's every spiritual blessing. What is his is ours. His riches our riches, his righteousness, our righteousness, his power, our power, his inheritance, our inheritance. So what are these spiritual blessings? Well, they're spiritual, not worldly, and they help us to live this life, life in all its fullness, a God-honoring life, holy and blameless. This gives honor and glory to Jesus. So the word, which is Jesus, says to us all these amazing spiritual blessings, who we are. We are adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are no longer illegitimate children. That says it in verse 5 and 6, which I'm going to read. He predestined us for adoptions to himself as sons through Jesus Christ 
according to the purpose of his will, to the purpose of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. The beloved is Jesus. He's not only adopted us, he's redeemed us through the blood of Jesus, which is the only way for forgiveness. There was this great exchange from death to life, from darkness to light, from judgment to grace. That's redeemed. The redeemed meaning is having paid in full, having been bought back, having taken possession or ownership by full payment. That payment Jesus did when he died for you and for me, for our sin. That's the payment he paid. Jesus' very life. And then we have this inheritance in him, which we have obtained through faith, having been predestined by him. This is to the praise of his glory. And I'm just going to read verses 11 and 12. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope, that's when we were saved, when we gave our lives to Jesus, might be, what? To the praise of his glory. And lastly, the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. Believing this, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit, which guarantees our inheritance, again, why? To the praise of his glory. You'll see that in verses 13 and 14. In him, you were also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquired or take possession of it. Why? To the praise of his glory. The spiritual blessings I really want to elaborate on is the Holy Spirit, which we know is the gift from the Father, and we have sealed with us as we just heard. And we, when we believe that Jesus is the very Son of God, that he lived, this is the gospel, that he died for our sins, and that he rose on the third day, and that he's coming back again. Now, I just want you to remember this. That Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit, that dunamis power, when, when um, Jesus said, wait, uh, when, wait for me, when I send you the help, uh, when I send you the gift, the, the gift from the Father, the Holy Spirit, you will receive power on that day. And remember that on that day in Acts 1 verse 8, they received that power, that dunamis power. That's what we've got. That's what raised Jesus from the dead. That's what we've got living inside us. That's what we were sealed with. That's the power that we can live this victorious life. That's the power. Power to deliver, power to set free, power to to heal, to be bold, to be victorious, to to restore what the locusts have eaten. 
Other scriptures that say about the Holy Spirit is he's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our advocate. You know, the advocate is the lawyer. He defends on your behalf. So what the, the, the defending is, is that Jesus, the Holy Spirit defends you when Satan says lies, because he knows the Bible, but he distorts it. He says lies about it. And that's where he defends you to say, you are his. You are adopted. You are saved. You are redeemed. You are accepted as a child of God. That he also gives glory to Jesus. And he intercedes for us to the Father. He gives us knowledge and wisdom. He gives us revelation of his word. He changes and transforms our hearts. And he convicts us of sin. In Ephesians 6, verse, uh, in, in the same book, this is a letter, by the way, to the Ephesians at Ephesus. It was Paul's letter to them. And in the same letter or the book of chapter 6 is about the arm of God where he gives us weapons to keep standing in this victory. And I'm going to speak on three. The breastplate of righteousness. We were made right with God the day we repented and believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is righteous, so we are righteous in him. Nothing of us is righteous apart from him. We are therefore now the sons, we accepted the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Does this not just blow your mind, all this? All this, these spiritual blessings he's given us to live this life of victory? And then the bout of truth. He is truth, all truth. There's no lie found in him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And further down in verses 16 and 17, where Jesus, this whole chapter of um, John 14, he's speaking to his disciples. This is before he was going to be crucified. And he's trying to encourage them and comfort them. And he says these words, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Remember, I said the Holy Spirit is the helper. To be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. You know him, for he dwells with you and in you. That's the luminous power I'm talking about. And then lastly, the sword of the Spirit, which I love, which is the word of God, the Bible, and Jesus' imprint. In John 1 and 1 John 1, speaks of it so clearly. Please read these uh, books and um, books of the Bible. He was before the world and is the eternal everlasting King of kings and Lord of lords. He is spoken of from Genesis to Revelation. He is the sword of the Spirit. The word is also living and active and it is relevant for today. For all the questions and answers you are looking for, to do life in him. We just need to read and believe it. You have to allow and apply the word by the Spirit to change and transform your life. To live in victory, which Jesus so desires us to live. Remember, Jesus won the battle. Satan can um, 
try to um, bring us down. But let me tell you that he's given us the word to do battle with him. And remember that he said at the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. He's done the battle. Satan is a defeated foe. So those in Christ Jesus have victory and we live victorious because of him. We ought to be the most joyous, victorious people which should compel and point others to Jesus and honour him and glorify him. Walking in victory does four things. One, it shows who we belong to. We belong to Jesus. He redeemed us. He redeemed us. Shows who we are. We are accepted now. We are now sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are his priesthood. We are his ambassadors. What a privilege and an honour that is. Thirdly, it shows we are righteous. Yes, we are righteous in him alone. For his name's sake. In Psalm 23 verse 3 it says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And fourthly, it gives him glory. As we live to honour him in our lives, it's all about him that we live this life of victory for his name's sake and for his glory. Can I ask you, if we walk as victims, how does this show Jesus or point others to him or give him glory? Where is our light and saltiness? And Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division and soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17, All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God. You know, this book was written over, by over 40 men, but it was by the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. That's what it was. And it was breathed out by God. When God said, let there be light, it was spoken, it was done. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for creation, and for training in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And in 1 John 5 verse 4, for everyone born of God, who's been born again, who's saved, overcomes the world because we are in Jesus. He's overcome. It's done. This is victory that has overcome the world, even our faith that we put our trust and our belief in him. Stop. Sorry. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy, Satan. Satan is real. The devil is real. He's the prince of this world. But you know what? I'm not going to give glory to him because he's a defeated foe. Jesus is the victor and we are in him. Rather start reading and believing the promises and the truth, applying this in your life. Living his way, doing his will, being obedient to his word. 
I say let go of that steering wheel. We so often want to hold that steering wheel so hard and we want to do things our way and, and do uh, things that are not according to his will. Let go of that. Surrender totally to him because that's where your life of victory comes. Your words have life and death. Speak life-giving words out loud like I'm speaking now that your ear can hear it that your mind can understand it, then your heart will believe it. Let me tell you, your heart will believe it. In Romans 10 verse 17 it says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. He does not belong there. He is the father of lies. He's death. Don't go to battle without the sword. Remember when Jesus had to go to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, he was, well, we hungry after one day. He had no food. And Satan tried to tempt him and say this, that get some bread. And he said, for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. There's no other way. You have to put the effort in. It's called arduous. You know what arduous is? A great deal of effort, demanding great exertion, opposite to easy. That's what we have to do. And that's a way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust his word and obey it. If you feel like it's just a book and you can't understand it, remember I said it's like it's written by the unction of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it, to give you the, the knowledge and understanding, the wisdom, and in a fresh and new way, where things will start coming to life, and you will start, start and be compelled to read it more and more and get excited about it, because he shows you things personally. And I can testify to that, and I'm sure a few can testify to that. It is the sweetest honey to our lips. If you carry on in your thoughts and your ways, social media, other people, you cannot overcome and live this life of victory. And believe me, things won't change. This is the reason why I believe the Lord has promised me to share this message today. Because he loves you with an everlasting love. And he desires for you to live this life of victory because we have every spiritual blessing. He's held nothing back from us. We have this power, this dumas power, and we have this every spiritual blessing in him. Let's pray. Oh Lord, let your word be a lamp to our feet and our light to our path so that we may live in fullness of joy and in victory for your namesake and for your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amazing. So good. Thank you for that. Incredible. If you want to live that victorious life, then you've got to clothe yourself in the power of the Holy Spirit and with the armor of God. And then we've got to put in the work. We've got to put in the effort and begin to walk and live out that life. Thank you so much for that, V. Really good. Amazing. And last but by no means least... 
We have got Phil. Let's give him a round of applause as he comes up. You know, the Bible says, how beautiful the feet of those who carry the good news of Jesus. So Phil has probably got the most beautiful feet. <laughs> he has got a heart and a passion for sharing the good news of Jesus to anyone who will give him one minute to listen. And so I am excited to hear what, what God's put on his heart today. Let's just pray for a minute. God, I thank you for Phil. Thank you for his passion, his enthusiasm, and just his desire to share the good news of Jesus. And so I pray this morning that we will hear what it is that you have got to say to us through him this morning, that you will bless us as much as you have blessed those who he has shared with in the past. And likewise, would you bless him as well as he shares in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank, you. thank you, John, and uh, thank you. Um, I just want to start with a prayer. Uh, Lord God Almighty, thank you for your love, your faithfulness, your word. Lord, help us to draw near to you with the help of the Holy Spirit. Help us to draw close to you, Jesus, and allow the fullness to fill us today and always. Fill us more and more with you, Lord Jesus, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I pray. Lord, speak through me, your servant, and bring your message to these people today. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen. Um, I want to start by um, talking about Jacob. Um, in Genesis 32.1, um, I don't know if, is it on the screen? There we are. Um, Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named that place Maham. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, men servants and maidservants. Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau and now he is coming to meet you and 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, um, the other one will be left and may escape. So we've got Jacob here who um, is... One of those people who <laughs> he plots and schemes and um, he just, uh, well, he, he doesn't like to be, how can I put it, um, he likes to know exactly what's going on. He's one of those people, and I think there's a lot of people are like that, who like to have control of their lives, they like to know exactly what's going on. So... Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham 
God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Go back to your own country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all your kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. So the first point I want to say is that Jacob prayed only after he had sent all these messengers and um, tested the water with his brother. He, he prayed after it. In other words, he'd done all of these things first and then he decided that he was going to pray instead of really praying first and then, well, you didn't need to do any of those things because once you've prayed, um, God, God's going to do it. He, he will do it. He promised he'd do it and he, and he has. Um, so... Jacob, just like us, wanted to see just what he was up against, but he was using his own strength, just like we do. First, he grouped his children with his maidservants, then uh, Leah and her children, then Rachel and Joseph in the rear. His thinking was, if the first and second group was hurt or killed, his third group would be safe. But God had listened to Jacob and heard his prayer, and had promised to make him prosper. His whole family, all 12 sons would prosper. And this did happen later in the chapter um, when Joseph, after being sold into slavery by his brother, uh, brothers, became the second most important person in Egypt. And because of the seven-year famine, Jacob, who was still wealthy, came to Egypt with all his sons and daughters and offspring. Jacob's prayer was answered and he embraced his brother Esau, and all the preparation had not mattered. All the careful strategy that Jacob had worked out by putting animals and presents and his family in little groups didn't change Esau's heart. It was God who changed Esau's heart. And um, I think we're, we're just like that. We always try to, whenever there's a problem, we always try to um, solve the problem ourselves instead of going first to God. Go to God. Um, don't try and solve it on your own because sometimes things are impossible um, to solve. Um, and that's where my first story comes in. Um, about four years ago, one of our managers from McDonald's, sorry about the McDonald's advertising, but um, <laughs> so they, uh, she took to a hotel um, for a staff uh, night out, a uh, Christmas party, about 30 staff. But one of the staff members, who was only 16, had too much to drink. And um, she was taken to hospital and she had to have her stomach pumped. Um, the manager, uh, sorry, as a result of this, the manager was going to lose her job. And the hotel manager was going to press charges on the manager. So... Um, she was in a pretty bad state. Uh, um, she was, well, uh, she, came to, she came to me and she was in tears. And um, I said, look, don't worry about it. I'll pray for you. So um, I put my arm around her and I prayed for her. And I said, you know, Lord Jesus, um, just take all this away. Anyway, um, so um, praise the Lord. She didn't lose her job. And uh, she worked for McDonald's for another three years and uh, the ho hotel manager didn't press charges and the 16-year-old the did recover. Um, she, was, uh, she was all right. So it all worked out in the end, but it, it's another um, thing where 
there was no way this manageress um, could see a way out of it. She thought she was going to lose her job, and, and uh, it just happened that prayer worked, and it was, it was wonderful. Um, so we are like Jacob in our thinking. We don't pray first. We try to think of ways to solve our problems, just like Jacob. But also, just like Jacob, our God is with us, and he loves us, and he, he said he will never leave us or forsake us. He does answer prayer, not always the way we think, not always straight away, but God does answer prayer. My other story is about a couple who um, <laughs> come into McDonald's for coffee. Um, he's about 78, and he's been told by his doctor that he has a lump on his lung and an aneurysm on his head. Anyway, I asked if I could pray for him, and I did, and... Uh, that was uh, the 12th of um, May this year. Um, at the time, I didn't know about the aneurysm in his head, um, but I did know about the dark patch and his breathing problems. So an, a month later, I was told by them that he was to be given chemo tablets to take the lump away. Um, so this is some excerpts from my journal, um, my prayer journal. Um, so on the 8th of August, uh, Lord God Almighty, thank you for today, the sunshine and the couple who have coffee in McDonald's. He is looking better. He has a growth on his lung and is having it removed with tablets. They are planning a trip to Spain. Thank you, Lord Jesus, my God. Praise your wonderful name. So the very next day, this is in my journal. Lord God Almighty, thank you for the couple who come for coffee. Lord, thank you that he is healed completely. The doctors can't find anything wrong with him, so they are going to Spain on their holidays. And that was absolutely, wow, what a God we have. What a God we have. Wow. Um, Jacob is mentioned in Hebrews by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Hebrews, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. The God who has shepherded me, Jacob had spent his life shepherding and was not slow to recognize the shepherd care of God in his own experience. An angel had appeared to Jacob on the, in, in the crisis points in his life at Bethel in Paldron, Aram, and at Peniel. Jacob had recognized the angel as God himself, so he called the place where he wrestled with the angel the face of God, Peniel. Though the intervention, through the intervention of this angel, or God, or Jesus himself, had rescued him from Laban and Esau. God had brought him home safely. The angel who had protected him, he called his redeemer, the one who stepped in to rescue a relative in the time of trouble. It was humiliating to need such help, and Jacob was recalling here the way God had humbled him into submission when all his instinct had been to work things out for himself. And in Psalm 46, 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress.
God had wrestled with God all his life, and that's what we do also. When problems come up, we try to fix them ourselves. We put all our ideas first until we run out, and then we kneel down and we pray. But God is saying, don't wrestle with me. Give it all to me. Hand it all over to me. This God that we are worshipping is not some little uncaring God. He is massive. He is unimaginable. Father from the east is from the west. He is never ending. He is a universe maker, a star breathing God. And I just want to say a a quick um, poem just before I end. In this world we live and have our being, our own little lives far from rhyme and reason. Just take a minute, a fraction of your time. Think of these words, he died for all mankind. Not just the righteous, not just the good, but all people, no matter what you've done. He died on a cross over 2,000 years ago. Why should that make a difference? Why should you let me know? Well, if nobody told you and nobody said, that this Lord Jesus was raised from the dead, then you'd be lost, as so many are, because they don't believe his words and what they really are. This is a love story written for you and me, because our great God wants to set us free. Amen. Thank you very much. Amazing. Thanks so much, Phil. I think I am very much like that. I. Uh, jump to my own solutions before going to God and I think many of us can be guilty of that so I really hope that that has challenged many of us in the room that you know I don't know why but we always wait until the very last moment before going to God straight away as soon as we recognize something's not right as soon as we come across a problem as soon as we have a need that's when we should go to God not last but first Amazing. Why don't we give another round of applause to our three speakers for this morning.